Tecovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity, and I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tecovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade, handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit Tacovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west. The media, the movies, the books that we read, they do a disservice for relationships. They don't prepare us to see what it looks like in reality, which is there are seasons, there are hard moments. Passion and connection don't exist all throughout. Um, And then at the same time, when we're preparing people for different seasons in their life, we often rarely talk about how to safe-proof or um, safeguard the relationship to get through that transition. Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm thrilled to introduce you to my guest, clinical psychologist and now author of the new book, I Didn't Sign Up for This, Dr. Tracy Dalgalish. For nearly two decades, Tracy has been a guiding light for couples in turmoil, helping them navigate stress and move towards hope and healing. In today's conversation, Tracy answers questions such as, why do we have the tendency to overcomplicate relationships? What is interdependence and how does it differ from codependence? Why do couples get stuck in the same patterns of behavior in arguments, plus so much more practical advice? Let's get into it. Well, Tracy, it's so great to talk with you today. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Diane, for having me here, and I am so excited for our conversation today. I'm so thrilled to be a part of your community here. Yes. Oh, me too. Like I said, I think this is going to meet me where I'm at right now. So why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself. Who am I talking to today? Yes, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish. I'm a couples therapist and psychologist. I've been working with people for over 17 years, and it is so neat to be able to sit in front of people and to really just walk with them through their own journeys of healing and the therapeutic work that they're doing. So in addition to being a psychologist here, I'm also a business business owner. I'm here in my clinic, Integrated Wellness, here in Ottawa. And then there's two other roles that I play that are such a big part of my life, which is I am a wife, and then I'm also a mother to two young kids. So my kids are six and eight. Okay. I love talking to, honestly, everyone, anyone, and especially when they have such practical, applicable advice. But I don't think people would necessarily be like, oh, Tracy, that aligns with minimalism. But why do you think that your brand and my brand actually go together? Oh, yes. I think this is such an important piece. I think that we can show up in our relationships, making it much more complex than what they really need to be. And part of that is all of our humanness that we show up with, but because we never really take a course. 
we don't have uh, an educational seminar on relationships. And because of that, then we repeat what it is that we've experienced ourselves or what we see other people experience. So I like to think of our relationships like showing up with two suitcases. And inside of that suitcase, you have all kinds of experiences, your histories, your narratives, the stories you tell yourself, old emotions and feelings. And if we don't go back and understand what's in that suitcase, what's serving us, what's not, what we want to get rid of, what we want to hold on to, and how how the function of something is, then there's a good chance that we could be getting stuck in just really weighed down. Actually, I was thinking of one of your posts here that you had said, your time and attention are too valuable to waste on things you don't need or want in the first place. And when I think of what shows up in our relationship, that feeling of resentment is is essentially that. When we don't communicate our feelings and needs, we don't turn to our partners and talk about what's happening, we are holding on to stuff that is just not valuable to ultimately building a healthy relationship. One thing I heard, I don't know, it was probably a couple of years ago now, was the phrase, it's simple, not easy. And I keep going back to that with anything in my life that seems hard in the moment. And you have these simple steps, but it doesn't mean that it's easy. And I think that with relationships, like you say, we have history, we bring things to the table, but we don't often know how to communicate those things. And if we do just learn some tools, again, it's simple. The tools are simple, but it's not easy. And I think that's where people just don't want to deal with it. 100%. So with you here, I'm going to hold up my coffee mug. And we can even think of the coffee mug as a beautiful example of what happens in relationships where you are seeing this. Is is this even a mug? You don't see a handle. You're just seeing this smooth surface. That's your perspective. So we, we live in our own perceptions. And then my perception is I see this handle. I know it's a mug. I know it's going to hold hot liquid, right? But if we don't take the problem and put it in front of us, you and I being shoulder to shoulder as we need to do in a relationship, being shoulder to shoulder and look at the problem in front of us and say, huh, look at this. That's your perception. Ah, this is how I'm experiencing it. Now, now that we can understand each other and also hold empathy and validation and curiosity, then we can start to find a solution. But we don't find those solutions when we continue to hold those unhelpful assumptions, when we continue to view the other person as the bad person or the problem. It's so hard to step out of those difficult cycles that we end up getting into. Yes, absolutely. So with all the clients that you've seen over the years, we are overcomplicating it. We're making it too hard. What are some examples that you've seen in ways that we tend to just overcomplicate the dialogue or I guess the way that we interact with one another? Mm, yes. So in in that way, when we overcomplicate things, when we have something so, and I say this again, it's simple, but it's hard to do. I feel so alone. This day has been so hard. I need hug. I need a hug. I need attention. I need your attention. And that is such a simple way of expressing to our partners. And then what we do, though, is we have all these layers in front of that that makes it more complex. So then instead of actually going inside of ourselves and tuning into our own feelings and needs, we look outward and we say, 
you're on your phone. You're always on your phone. If you were just different in some way, then we could move forward. So that makes it more difficult for us to actually move forward. Because if I'm sitting here, Diane, and I say to my partner, you are always on your phone. You don't actually know what I need. Do I need your attention? Do I need us to feel close and connected? Do I need you to listen to this really hard experience in my day? Yes, absolutely. I also, gosh, I've gone to marriage counseling. I've done my own therapy as well. But I think one of the things that is hard that we overcomplicate is our language that we use. So even saying you're always on your phone. I was told by one therapist at one point, never speak in extremes. Say how you feel, never downplay that, but stop speaking at extremes because that's probably untrue. And then you're complicating it and making it it be an insult. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. So, so yeah, so what do we do? We get stuck in what doctors John and Julie Gottman talk about. It is the four negative communication patterns. And this makes it so complex because then the other person doesn't know what it is that you feel or need. Feelings and needs are quite simple, but hard to tap into because often for many of us, we haven't seen it modeled. So those four communication patterns look like criticism where I'm going to attack you. And those are the, um, you always, you never, there's defensiveness. Defensiveness is protecting yourself against a perceived attack where I'm going to say something like, well, if you didn't ask me to get better, then I wouldn't be late. Or, well, maybe if you stopped doing this, then I wouldn't. So that's defensiveness. We're counteracting to what someone else is saying. Then we have contempt. Contempt sounds like it's this hostile humor. It's very denigrating to the other person. It's a way of putting them down. And it sounds like, oh, I wouldn't expect you to do the dishes anyways. You can't get it right. And then we have stonewalling and shutting down. And that looks like someone walking away, saying, I'm not engaging in this conversation, refusing to return to the conversation or to engage in it. And we know from the research that when we engage in one of these negative communication patterns, we are more at risk of our relationship deteriorating. And in the long-term studies, so in the longitudinal research, they found that these communication patterns predict divorce. So we really want to come back to how can we then get intentional in how we communicate? How do we then let the other person know, where am I at? And Diane, I think there's a tricky piece in here, though, because this piece is all of the beliefs that I start to hold in my mind and those assumptions about how I think my partner is going to respond. It's a common thing I hear from the women I work with. So someone will say, okay, so if I'm going to, sure, I'll say to my husband, um, you know, I, I need more time with you. I miss you. You're on your phone. And I would love for us to just put our phones down tonight for 20 minutes. And then we hold this belief, well, he'll just tell me all the reasons why he doesn't want to, or he's going to reject me, or right? So we then start to create our own narratives that then stop us from doing the thing. And what we really want to be able to do is start putting those bids out there, start communicating to our partner so that they can start understanding where are you at? What do you need and what do you feel? I think a lot of us get married and we have the thought, I didn't sign up for this. And that's what your new book is called. So what is the significance behind that phrase and that title? Mm. 
that that phrase was showing up over and over again in my therapy room, whether it was the mother who came because her husband said she's the problem and she needs to come for help, whether it's the woman in the couple who says, I didn't sign up for this because your ex-wife is preventing us from building a healthy relationship. There are all of these moments where people come into therapy because their relationship is no longer the one where they feel close, connected, where they feel like they can problem solve and move through the problems that they're facing. And it's really interesting in some ways because then we have to open up that suitcase and start doing that work so that we can then open up our uh, relationship to be the one that we do want to be in. And that part, I didn't sign up for this was also a really powerful piece because what I put in the book is actually my own marriage. As I was writing the book, it felt really difficult to keep myself out of it because it was almost like a wall between me and the reader saying, I'm a therapist, I'm a couples therapist, and I don't experience these struggles when actually even therapists struggle, right? And we know that. And it's so important then to show up with that humanness to say, I knew all the tools, I had the skills, and yet at the same time, I found myself crying in the bathroom saying, I didn't sign up for this after having my second child. Okay, so kind of side tangent here, but that's normal. So I don't know. I I talk to so many different women and I have friends that you have seasons where you may not be getting along with your partner or I don't know, there's some kind of incident that is hard to navigate. But what does a relationship look like? Is that just normal? Should we just expect that? Mm, I think for many people, what they experience is this really strong connection. And then before a major life event, there's this kind of belief that we're pretty strong. We we won't hit that bump, right? And, and of course, because based on previous experiences with your partner where you're able to navigate through through hard moments, through the fights, the the mundane everyday fights over what's for dinner or how you're cleaning the home, you were able to solve those. And then at some point there is a transition, a season or a change that happens in a relationship where people stop being able to do that. And Diane, one of the biggest seasons for couples that we are the least prepared for is around having children. And there's just so much that changes in that time that couples are not prepared for. So so yes, I, I think the media, the movies, the books that we read, they do a disservice for relationships. They don't prepare us to see what it looks like in reality, which is there are seasons, there are hard moments. Passion and connection don't exist all throughout. Um, And then at the same time, when we're preparing people for different seasons in their life, we often rarely talk about how to safe-proof or um, safeguard the relationship to get through that transition. And and I'm so grateful to hear that you've connected with so many other women who can talk about the seasons in their relationship. I've seen I've seen some of the opposite where people are like, I'm supposed to go through seasons. I didn't know. Oh gosh, this relieves so much pressure from myself that we're not doomed just because we're in this season of disconnection. 
Yeah, I think it's those four horsemen that Gottman talks about that just freak me out sometimes in my own relationship. And then also, I'm an extrovert and I like to go deep with my friends. So I I don't want to pry, but I probably do a little bit too much. But just hearing what people are saying, it's just like, oh, no, that is a bad sign. But again, I think if you can take control back and learn how to communicate what fair fighting looks like, that you aren't doomed. There might just be seasons where one of those is a little bit stronger, but you can tame it. I I want to add something there that it is not about never fighting again. It's not about never using criticism or defensiveness in your relationship. Instead, the important message is, or the important skill rather we want to learn is how do we repair? And we know that solid, strong couples learn how to come back together faster. It's not that you never hit the hard moments. It's not that you never disagree. It's that you can come to your partner and say, "Ah, you know, earlier I came to you so sharp. I was hot. I was critical. And I know that's not going to help me get my needs met. So here is actually what I'm trying to say to you. Um, And that's something that I need to work on moving forward. And when both people can do that, then we can keep building that relationship. I think that's one important piece. But the other piece is, what's the intentionality in our relationship? And we know that as stresses rise, as children join the the family, that it is really hard to spend that intentional time together. So many couples just get stuck in the same negative patterns of behavior and arguments. So how do we get unstuck? How do we pull ourselves with intentionality, getting out of these bad habits and cycles? Mm. I think the first piece is being able to recognize how you contribute to that cycle. And that is one of the hardest things for us to do. We don't really like to go inward and look at I and say, how am I the problem, part of the problem here? And instead, we tend to to focus outward on our partner. If you were different, if you just did this, if you agreed to that. So first, starting with yourself, because that is the space where you have control over, where you have the most choice. So going inside and asking yourself, how do I contribute to maybe those hard moments that we get stuck in? What am I doing? doing? How do I start communicating that maybe derails us? Start there as the first place. And then recognizing how maybe you can then start differently. We're really good at repeating behavior. Likely, those who are listening can say how they show up and also how their partner responds. So if I know that my husband is going to get defensive, I can prepare myself to respond to that. So if I use all of the skills and tools and I say, you know, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I'm going to need more help around the house right now. It's the season is just crazy. And he says, I'm doing so much already. I can prepare myself to respond to that. I can say, whoa, okay, whoa, hang on. What's happening here? It sounds like you're feeling a bit defensive. C- can you help me understand or what did you hear me say? And I know, I know when people hear me say this, they're like, well, I'm not going to talk like that in my relationship. You have to find what works best for you and your partnership. But it is about the, the focus on I first. So then the other piece too is that anytime you notice that you and your partner are getting stuck in that cycle, the first thing we want to be able to do is to stop the cycle. You might find a fun name for it, um, something that brings a little bit of playfulness. I had one couple call it like, oh, we're getting stuck in the washing machine again. We're spinning around and around. Let's press pause. And that ability to pause 
can sometimes just be enough to say, let's restart. Other times you need to take space and time. If you are both escalated, if you're both throwing in all of the things and you're feeling overwhelmed, you're not sure where you're going, and you're just about to say that really harsh thing, pause, go and take at least 20 minutes. The research says 20 minutes to soothe our nervous systems. Don't go and fold laundry and be like, oh, I can't believe they never, you know, what were they thinking? But rather go for a walk have a tea, read a book, connect with something that's going to help soothe you, and then revisit the conversation at another time. I'm proud of my husband and I because a couple nights ago, we were starting to get into a fight. And I realized we had been in the car for six hours traveling home from Michigan. And so I was like, hey, I need to shelf this until the morning. I need sleep. I need rest. This is not going to go well for either of us because we're not clear headed right now. And it ended up working out so well. And I guess just recognizing those bad behaviors, but it is hard to get there when tensions feel so high. It is hard to pull yourself out of the moment and say, wait, we've been in this cycle before. There's a lot of prefrontal cortex movement happening here in order to stop that. It's actually simple to walk away. And it just is not easy. It's so not easy, especially when you are in that end of day state, right? You want to just, okay, let's just, sometimes we get into the fight to be right, where we're like trying to just see my points, just understand where I'm coming from. I just want you, right? If you feel yourself getting into that, that's a great sign to step back. Um, Tired. When your basic needs are not being met, that is always a good time to say, let's park this, not because we're not going to work through this, but because we're going to choose our connection in this moment. So when you are hungry, um, when you are tired, when you have too much on your to-do list, when you've got the kids and dinner going at the same time and your partner comes in saying something, it's not really the time to tackle this stuff, right? Um, so Diane, I think that is huge that you're able to do that. And it really is a hard step to take when we're trying to do something different. I think the reason that we find ourselves, not just my husband and I, but a lot of parents of little kids find themselves in these fights at night is because that is when we're finally winding down, but we have time to talk. When you have a three-year-old and a five-year-old, we have an eight-year-old too, but when you have a three and five-year-old, that doesn't give you a lot of time where we can actually step away and be present with one another, but it's really at the end of the day or on the weekend, we really have to make sure that we have a date night. So it's, we find ourselves in these bad patterns because it's like, this is the only time that we have, but also it's probably not our healthiest time. And then it just perpetuates itself in a negative cycle. And that's that piece where you don't feel close. So I I really want the listeners to take this piece away is when you feel close and connected, you are able to give each other more permission and more compassion. And so it does. And this is why for many people, I recommend, hey, let's park the issues that we're having right now. Yes, I understand you're getting stuck in these cycles. There's this important issue we need to talk through and problem solve. But right now, we need to build some physical connection and good quality time together, because that is about building the the foundation for you. So then you can feel like you can go through those hard conversations. But if you're not spending time together, as many parents to young children aren't. Um, And if you're not having those conversations to build that closeness, it's incredibly, 
it's incredibly challenging to problem solve. Diane, one of my top resources on my website is my 100 questions to deepen your connection. And I've had such great feedback from people around it. And I, I created it because of that issue of we finally get a date night and we don't know what to talk about, or we've got the 10 minutes to sit on the couch. What, you know, I don't even know how to start this conversation because kids are now three, five, eight and, you know, ships passing in the night. It is a really hard season. And so if you can take those 10 minutes once a week at least and ask each other those questions to to get to know other parts of them, that can help you to feel really good. So it's it's a really hard season when we have young kids. And actually, I just want to share, there's research that shows that parents to young children only spend 30 minutes a week talking. And most of that is transactional, meaning where are the splash pants? Are you making lunch or am I? Do you have drop-off? No, I've got drop-off. 30 minutes. For a lot of my listeners, I feel like they're on a journey to simplify their lives, but they don't want to sacrifice style, which I completely understand. And that's why I was excited to partner with Home Threads. Home Threads is the perfect blend of minimalism and comfort for your home. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a curated collection of sleek and functional furniture that speaks to the heart of minimalist living, from multifunctional storage to timeless design. They have everything you need to create a clutter-free and serene space for your family. As most of you know, we've recently moved, and I'm not someone to just fill up a room so that it's done and decorated. I wanted to do this with intention, and so I searched out accent chairs on Home Threads and found the perfect mid-century modern chair that really complements my space. So embrace the beauty of less and elevate your home with purposeful pieces. Visit homethreads.com minimalist and get a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. If you're planning to cut back on alcohol this dry January, Recess Zero Proof Craft Mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. Recess has meticulously crafted familiar favorites such as Lime Margarita and Grapefruit Paloma, allowing you to savor the flavors and experience of these cocktails without the alcohol content. Throughout January, my listeners can take advantage of a special offer and get 15% off the Recess Mocktail Sampler Pack at takearecess.com minimalist. Every can of Recess boasts a lightly sparkling mocktail infused with functional ingredients and a calorie count of 25 or less. It's a guilt-free option for winding down during dry January. Again, whether it's the end of a demanding day, a dinner gathering, or simply a moment to unwind, these mocktails are the perfect choice. You won't miss the alcohol, and you certainly won't miss dealing with a hangover. Get 15% off Recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash minimalist so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. No more stressful trips to the fitting room under fluorescent lights. With Armoire, you get to wear quality pieces without the hassle of adding to your wardrobe or paying designer prices. I'll say, as a busy mom of three, I know the importance of treating myself to something special. And Armoire allows me to prioritize quality over quantity in my wardrobe. Plus, Armoire is woman-founded and woman-led, so you can feel good about supporting a business that empowers women. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, try Armoire today. You'll never have to worry about finding the perfect outfit for any occasion again. If you're curious for some of the looks that I've chosen, check out my collaboration highlight on Instagram for a few of my favorite Armoire looks. 
looks that you can grab too. So right now my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash minimalist. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash minimalist to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Well, so what does this interdependence look like in our relationship? Yes. Okay. So what we often speak about is how we have this fear of codependency. Codependency is the sense of being fused to another person. This is where you don't share your thoughts and feelings because you don't want to upset them. This is where maybe your mood changes if your partner comes home and they're in a bad mood. It's this sense of losing the self within the we And what's important, though, is that we want to have both autonomy and we also want to have intimacy and connection. I like to use my hands. So what I do is each of you and your partner are your two separate selves and inside of the circle. So I'm putting my thumbs with my fingers together. Inside of each circle is are rather your thoughts, feelings, opinions, desires, wishes, and values. You are your own independent person. And when you first met your partner, that is what drew you to the other person. And so our job then is to continue to maintain that autonomy, that sense of independence, where you know that when you go and see friends and you're talking about book club, you feel filled up, or you go skiing on your own and it's something that is so good for you. Eve Rotsky talks about the unicorn space, right? So we want that autonomy still and that connection. So now I'm putting my fingers together almost like two links. And that is what it looks like because you can still see two separate people, but we're connected. So what ends up happening is we are, we are either focusing over on a hyper-independence where I hear people saying, that's your feeling. I'm not responsible for your feeling. You need to go deal with it on your own. This is my boundary. If you're upset about it, that's too bad. That's independence. Or I don't want to share this with you. There's no point in leaning on you. I'm not going to need anybody in my struggles. I'm going to keep it all to myself. We can look at avoiding attachment in that perspective as well. But what we want instead, well, rather, what then tends to happen is people swing into codependency, where I'm now putting one hand on top of the other hand, and it's a loss of two separate selves. So interdependence is essentially that. It's the I am me, you are you. And we are both okay. We don't have to see the world the same, but we need to bring in curiosity and compassion. We need to find the we of our relationship and then now find how we're going to co-create that without losing the individual self. I think where it can get sticky is you do have that independence, which like you said, is good. We are autonomous and we bring it together. That's what our commitment is to one another and our marriage is to one another. But if there are things that are vastly different, how do you ignore that in your partner? You can still build this thing together that's really strong. But if one person is focused on the stuff that they don't like, I guess, how do you navigate that? It's a great question, Diane. It's one I get all the time. There, The self-work says, so when we go inwards, we can ask ourselves, What is this part of my partner holding up to me? So think of it like a mirror. This part of them, they're holding up something to me. I'm longing for this from something. I'm thinking of one of my members inside Be Connected. She longs for deep validation from her husband. She wants him to emote with her. She wants him to deep dive into these stories of early childhood and then also say to her, you're so amazing. 
you're such a good mom. I see how hard you're working. And, and you know, that's just not who he is. So what we do then is we need to acknowledge who our partners are and accept them for who they are. We, we can't change them. And then we need to start looking at ourselves and saying, how can I give this to myself? So if it is that deep validation, how do I start validating myself? Or maybe it's not something that I'm going to get just from my partner, but that I've got this group of girls that I get to turn to and they they totally get this, you know, conscious parenting stuff. Or I've got other people in my circle that are filling that part of the bucket. So I think when we enter into our relationships, we think this person has everything I'm looking for. They are the one. And then we need to accept that there are going to be parts that we don't like about them and parts that we have to accept about them and ultimately asking ourselves, am I willing to do that? Great advice. Great advice. So how can readers use your book as their guide in their own relationships? I guess what's your final word of encouragement for people as they pick up your book? So this book is for anyone at any stage in your relationship. And the way you can use it is to look at the stories see where you identify, who do you identify with in the stories, and then do the journaling work. There's exercises at the end of each chapter. And what I want people to be able to walk away with first is knowing that they are not alone in their struggles, that we all hit these hard moments in our relationships at some point. And then to also to know that you can do something different to build the relationship that feels good for you in a way where you don't have to lose yourself and in a way where you can feel like you're going through a tunnel rather than being stuck in a cave. Well, Tracy, where can listeners grab a copy of your book or connect with you online if they want to do so? Thank you. The best thing to do, Diane, and for everyone listening is to, well, first come say hello to me on Instagram. It's Dr. Tracy D. I love being in my DMs and hearing from people what stood out for them from today's episode. But my book is on anywhere that you buy books. You can head to my website, drtracyd.com forward slash book, and all the links will be there. And there are lots of great pre-order incentives right now because the book comes out on September 12th. And so if you're looking for something to read this fall, this is going to be a good one. And the pre-orders there are, there's a live session to join me to help you learn more strategies about your relationship. I also have a guide that's a step-by-step scripts for helping you navigate difficult conversations that you'll get after you order the book. I think it could also be a great resource. Again, if you have a friend or a family member that's going through something, just going through those examples in your book and just seeing if there's any wisdom you can glean from those experiences that you can maybe give counsel to or even just hand it off to someone. Yeah, the, the stories are of everyday people. And so far, everybody who has read it has said, wow, I see parts of me and my relationship in all of these stories. So it just reminds us of our common humanity. Absolutely. Well, quickly before we wrap up, I always ask my guests two questions at the end. And the first one is, what's been a beneficial resource to you that you want to share with the listeners? Oh my goodness. I thought about this, Diane, and this is such a hard one to answer. Okay. So truthfully, that resource is that 100 guide. So that is the one that I've put out there. And, And I share that because my husband and I took it on a date night with us. And we had so much fun going through the questions of asking each other, for example, if you could have dinner with any three people, past, current, future, who would it be? Or if there's one memory from childhood that you would like to live again, what would that be? And it's just a really fun resource to deepen your connection. 
Absolutely. I'll make sure to link that in the show notes for listeners. And then my last question for you before you go is what is something that you can't stop talking about? <laughs> I can't stop talking about, oh goodness. Um, I just finished reading a really good book. I love reading books. I don't know about you, but it's just, it's such a great, especially in the summer. I just finished reading Meet Me at the Lake. And yeah, did you read it? I didn't. It's in my Kindle though. I, I'm to be read. It, it was so much fun. And being the therapist that I am, I analyzed the attachment styles of the characters and I just loved the story. It was fun. Oh, what an interesting profession to have as you approach fiction. Well, Tracy, again, this was so helpful. Thanks for joining me and my listeners today. Thank you, Diane. And thank you everyone for joining us. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.